0: Hi, and welcome to The Cloud Show. My name is Jess and With me is my trusted co-host, David Organ. Hi. Hey, so, and this show, what we'll do is we'll take some of the key news and also a key topic that we're gonna look at in detail with some expert guests who are clearly experts in their field and that they can give us some of their insight and their knowledge. So, before we do that, I'm really keen to get you guys in the conversation, so do get us on Twitter. Our hashtag is The Cloud Show, and you can find us with on CompareTheCloud uh, or Disruptive Live. So let's go on and introduce some guests. Firstly, I'd like to welcome Jason, Jason Taylor from Think IT. Welcome. Hi. How are you doing? I'm very well. Thank you very much. You? And also, we are very delighted to have Mark Mulvaney from Dell EMC, and you're one of the Emir Hybrid Cloud leads. Yeah. Thanks, Jess. Glad like to be here. Welcome. So I think we should get straight into it, David. I think we should have a bit of news. Go on. Let's have what's hot's what's hot. Yes.
1: hot. Right, so hot news today. We've got Cisco Global Cloud Index finds that cloud data center traffic will reach 19 and a half zettabytes per zettabytes. year by 2021. Source of zettabyte? Go on. A zettabyte is an enormous number, I think. Year, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a number followed by 21 zeros or 22 zeros, 20 zeros. Wow. It, it is just big. Long. It's big. Long. Long. Yeah, yeah. Take a big, while to write big. that down. Yeah. Very large number. So this is Cisco's seventh annual Cisco Global Cloud Index, 2016 to 2021. And it finds that data center traffic will reach 95% by 2021. That's up a whopping 88% from 2016. That's quite impressive. That is yeah. quite a lot. And if there are more stats, I'm going throw even more stats you. At know you know I the love the good stats. Oh, Cisco loves their stats too. So uh, the re- another key finding of the report states that by 2021 there will be approximately 628 hyperscale data centers worldwide. That's up from 338 in 2016. Additionally, these new hyperscale facilities will support 53% of all data center servers, 69% of all data center processing power, up from and 55% uh, of all data center traffic. So basically, I, I even tripped up over yeah, all those. So, stuff. So,
0: so basically, what they're saying is everything's going to double.
1: Everything is doubling uh, by 2021,
0: pretty much. What do you think, Guy? I mean, is that is that an aspirational number, or do you think that's kind of uh, actually it's a bit of a reality that, that now with people adopting much more on-demand services, that actually network traffic is going to be, frankly, I think it's mind-boggling. going to go. I mean, you're looking Absolutely. at video
2: is constantly streaming, what with all of the big providers, Netflix, YouTube's growing massively every single day, they're creating their own TV studios and their own TV shows. So it's only ever going to go up. And of course, this is Moore's law, right? So everything doubles, that's the whole principle of the thing.
3: Absolutely, and if if we roll back eight or nine years ago, would any of us have believed where AWS is today, or Azure, or any of the Hyperscale providers? You know, nine, 10 years ago, it was unthinkable that we'd have 1.2 1.2 million physical servers in Azure. Yep. And probably about four times as mo- as many in
0: AWS. But it's also in the enterprise you've got things like you know, the, the big ERP applications, you know, your SAPs, yeah. your Dynamics and that sort of thing. Once upon a time they were you know, they were more than just a capital project. They were just they would literally sink millions and millions of dollars of an yeah. organizational spend on a multi-year transformation program for an on-premise solution. I can and say, now
3: I'd nearly say a decade. Yeah. yeah. You, you were away Well, waste is the wrong word, but you were spending a decade implementing that type of um, application across an enterprise. And when you look at, you know, software as a service, you take a look at something like salesforce.com. Prime example, right. Yeah, yeah, prime example. Implemented in months rather than years.
2: Yeah, you're literally buying in a service now. So so everyone's done the hard work for you. You haven't got to go out and, you know, procure 6,000 physical servers to to bring up your new SharePoint instance on-prem. For your entire global uh, offering you can just basically go to microsoft buy a couple of licenses and then produce the thing in, in the back end it's incredible and then you
0: add 5g which you know because there'll be a, a gap created by the increased amount of bandwidth yeah. what are people going to do they'll Elect- fill up their application capabilities to go and consume that bandwidth so i i mean i'm it's easy to be really quite cynical about these reports but actually this is one of the ones where with all the things that are going on i think actually I could believe yeah. that these would be yeah. realistic projections rather than aspirational ones
1: but if you also look at the rise of iot i mean right. very quickly pretty much any connected
2: device will be generating its yeah. own data as well as consuming yeah it. absolutely i mean, well, you're, you're basically using you know, 10 years ago you were lucky to get you know 128k to 256k broadband <laughs> to your house 20. you know these days 100 Meg is easily achievable, Well, yeah. fairly seen significant costs. You can buy leased lines now for,
0: for practically well, nothing. I'm down in Devon, I've got 76 megabits. There I mean, you, you know, amazing. And you still want more. And you're still of, <laughs> of course I want more. <laughs> I always want more. Well,
3: it, it kind of comes back to Moore's law. And, you know, when we think of even, you know, you mentioned IoT, the connected farms, you know, even, you know, God forbid that term, the connected cow, <laughs> um, you know, we're look, we're we've seen forging. that video, we've seen that video. <laughs> but, but you know realistically you know what we're looking at here is we're not looking at technology for technology's sake yeah we're looking at solving a problem We're, you know i being able to do that quicker and more efficiently and really as a service has changed that whole whole yeah. piece yeah. and I think the other thing which is interesting is because this is all about cloud cloud isn't a place as in public cloud Defined by broadband limits anymore. It's a process, it's a way of working. And, and I suppose, from my perspective as a hybrid cloud lead, that's what's really interesting to me that we can have those economies of scale almost anywhere. It doesn't have to be necessarily with a hyperscale provider. So, the one little curveball I throw on those statistics is that I think we're going to see still a lot of diversity where that data is going to reside. I think we're going to see cloud practices adopted heavily, massively. And I think we're going to see the rise of the hyperscale providers there's no doubt but I do think organizations are going to get cleverer and realize that you know there is a nirvana to be had from Mm. cloud but it's you should have it on your own terms. It's a very good
1: point I mean it talks about 628 hyperscale data centers worldwide by 2021 But then we're starting to see the rise of edge computing, of even fog computing, all of these connected devices, the miniaturization of storage and more energy efficient compute. How much of this is just going to go into the ether of cloud?
0: Well, I I think... So apart from this, I, ha- I really hate the term fog computing because, it, well, it, I have a long diatribe about how much I hate the word the, the term the cloud because there is. <laughs> oh, I think on board with that. Yeah, the yeah. cloud. Um, and when I used to be in a consultancy, I used to sort of berate young people. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, and, and yeah, but it's a marketing term. Yeah, it is a marketing term, and actually, I think it's confusing because people would say, "Well, fog," that means that we can't really see and understand it. Actually, it, it is just. Harnessing the capability of all of the devices available for processing power.
3: Yeah, and I, and I couldn't agree with you more. And you know, as much as we'd like to put cloud in room 101 or something like that, we can't. But one thing you know, I think that definitely deserves to kind of get thrown out a little bit is this term of bimodal IT. And mm. I have to admit, I'm fed up with hearing that because in reality, we need to you know, make things more streamlined we need to take advantage of the processes in cloud, we need to look at software as a service, IT as a service, and, and take the best of that, whether that that be on-premise or whether that be public cloud. Mm-hmm. So, so you know, if you talk to Microsoft, if you talk to ourselves in Dell EMC, if you talk to anyone in the industry, it isn't about cloud anymore, it's about hybrid cloud, having that where it makes sense. And one thing I don't think makes sense is bimodal IT, where you develop your applications one way on premises and then you develop them differently in the cloud. Mm. That doesn't make yeah, sense. Yeah,
2: absolutely. This and, this, and this is, gets the whole IT debt problem with the cloud computing is that uh, you've got a, an opposite problem with cloud where it's very, very easy to create something very, very quickly and chuck it up there. In a kind of, you know, that will do for now, we'll, we'll fix it later. Whereas you would never have done that on-prem. Yeah, this is always, what we talked about last week
0: great. about IT debt. Yeah. That now, the, yeah. I mean, my argument is actually the CIO's biggest problem now is IT debt and managing IT debt. And that's not a case of saying this is a new problem. It's always been there as a problem. I'm saying it's now something that should be in the forefront of their minds as to how much are they willing to tolerate. Absolutely, but well,
2: it's shadow IT, right? Yeah. So, so, you know, I've, I've done various bits of consultancy, and one of the problems that we run into when we're talking about moving to the cloud or adopting cloud services or, or hybrid models where we can move stuff around is that actually you'll find that one department, which is some development department somewhere way off, are already actually using a piece of cloud that they're paying for on their own credit cards. Hmm. And you're thinking, so and, and then you've got to pull that back in, and, and that process is just... You know fraught with danger and fraught with problems because you're never going to follow security principles etc
0: etc etc so it's talking easy. about credit cards talking about being in the public eye what's the what else is happening in the news
1: right yes well this is there's a nice piece uh, about alibaba actually so on 2018 predictions that you discussed in the previous episode alibaba is trying to expand its influence beyond china in the asia Pac market and beyond So this is the story that Alibaba will begin its ad campaign for the upcoming Winter Olympics in Pyongyang. Uh, This is the Chinese, obviously, e-commerce giant, Mm. uh, their first corporate advertising campaign outside China, uh, which features Alibaba's brand by itself. Mm. What? now it's, it, it goes on because this they're, they're being very strategic in this because alibaba and the international olympic committee have signed a 12-year sponsorship deal to provide cloud computing services with plans to incorporate facial recognition technologies as well as e-commerce platform services
0: so this is going back to your iot point yes yeah. this is also talking about the reality of people the way how they're using it on mobile for e-commerce the e-commerce platform you yeah, know i mean apart from alibaba's whole sort of base came from was e-commerce as well, but actually just the way how people will interact in Olympic stadiums and their games experience. Mm -hmm. I I worked for a a premiership rugby club once, um, and I gave them some consulting services, and the question I remember asking was, do you want to be a real estate organization that happens to own a rugby club, or do you want to be a sports entertainment? Yeah. Yeah, organization. And they went, wow. So well, actually this involves a whole digital mindset E-commerce, in-game experience. How do you engage on multiple lines you know, of, of people to, to really enhance that? And that's what, and I think that's what the IOC are trying to do here: is bring the whole digital game together. Mm-hmm. So
2: this is really big in American sports. Yeah, uh, the, the the Wi-Fi connected stadium type stuff that uh, the, you know, as we said, Cisco are actually doing some of that work as well, getting people involved so you can. Live replay highlights of the thing mm-hmm. you missed because you were just bending down to pick up your child's hot dog that they'd thrown all over the floor. Yeah. You can still get that information instantly, and then they take that those pictures and that feed, and at half time or quarters, they then take that back into the dressing room and they can instantaneously yeah. work out plays based on those. And they're starting to bring that into soccer as well,
0: and yeah. being well, able six to Six Nations, the, exactly. yeah, the IBM try Tracker and all that sort yeah. of stuff. You
3: got, got all that? I think what's interesting for me, when you know, just. On this is is the whole prevalence of artificial intelligence you know coming into solutions like this you know like what you were just talking about yeah. there Jason you know this is not about just taking raw data it's not about displaying information it's a, a, it's about analytics against that and then using cognitive capabilities against it and I don't, I don't know if, if, if you guys have heard of year million and you know year million is not a million <laughs> years uh, from AD it's It's a theory around the far future. And one of the theories around that is that AI will drive everything. Artificial intelligence is really, you know, the next um, steam age, almost. Because when we can be clever with that data, when, you know, to your point, we can have IoT, we can get that data quickly. And this is why I think hybrid cloud is really interesting because when we look at IoT, and we look at the cloud as a platform I, IoT, which is which is fantastic. You know, if you look at Azure Analytics and IoT Hub and all of that goodness, one of the challenges is, from a manufacturing plant point of view, or even a sports stadium, you've got thousands of individuals or hundreds of thousands of data points. Mm. Can you send that up to the cloud and back down? It doesn't matter how good your broadband is or how good your wired connection is. Sometimes we need to get close to that data. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, I think... We're going to see a lot of innovation. I think we're going to see a lot of bringing the data closer to people. I think we're going to see a lot of hybrid cloud offerings. You know, we're going to see. Um, I think, you know, Microsoft have already showed their hand with Azure Stack, and they have already provided you know Azure inside your firewall with Azure Stack. Mm-hmm. I kind of, you know, in my opinion, predict we'll see a lot more of that coming. So this Where, is how uh,
2: exactly right, this is how we used to build infrastructure, global infrastructure we always used to architect it where the data points were closest to the people that were using them. Exactly. We've always done it that way because that was the most sensible way before we had. And then I we, there was kind of, there was a bit of a movement away from that because everyone started going cloud-based. But it doesn't matter, if we're, we'll stick our email with 365 or Gmail or somewhere like that. And, yeah, and this, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And, but actually you're right because we're producing so much more data now. The ability to manipulate that data needs to be done a lot closer to the point where we're delivering or the information we're delivering of it. And then then kind of the output of that is then what's sent to the cloud and can be propagated out to other people. Well, yeah. it's
1: interesting. You, you mentioned the rise of artificial intelligence, which goes hand in hand with big data. But we've always had an issue with data. Data doesn't tell you very much. It's the exactly. analytics yeah. of yeah, that data, which is where data. Data. Data the machine learning algorithms yeah. underneath artificial intelligence comes in. So if that raw data is gathered and pre-processed, and then as you say, the training sets, how you improve the AI in the remote locations, yeah. that can be done at a hub point in the cloud where you can perfect those algorithms, push it back down so that the a- can, data you can, you is know. pre-qualified yeah. and the information that an individual needs it's that single voice, it's not the 20,000. It's just what they need to but, know. But you're
3: absolutely right, but do, do we kind of feel that it's almost we're going in cycles yeah, because this is like going back to the future, it's it's isn't it's it? Yeah, it's batch we'll there in the 80s. Yeah. It's batch yeah. processing all over
0: again. Yeah, well, yeah. of course. We'll talk that. about going cycles. You know, let's 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 move on to the next one because I want to make sure we get some time for the main subject as well. So go on. I'm enjoying doing Yeah, I know I'm enjoying it's fun, I'm going to steal your thunder.
1: Right. So moving on from Alibaba, but staying with the big players. Uh, Microsoft have recently released their quarterly earnings and their cloud business appears to be booming. So, this is uh, reports that Azure cloud services were up by a whopping 98% in the last quarter compared to an impressive, well, I mean, just 98%. Yeah, Even AWS is in a quarter. reporting impressive qu- yeah, numbers with 42% growth in the same period.
0: Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, that's kind of pause. AWS hits 42%. Of an already mind-bogglingly mm. huge volume Massive. in one quarter, Massive, yeah. Microsoft Azure, which is well, not its, it's state is not yeah. exactly shabby itself, Indeed. has Indeed, yeah. doubled it. I mean, the rate of adoption mm. is, is just amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that must have created like 120,000 new users per day for, it, it's, for it's Azure. Enormous.
1: Um, and it doesn't stop there. So Microsoft also reporting on their software-as-a-service arm, such as Office 365 or Dynamics 365. Office 365 was up 41%. Dynamics, their ERP and CRM solution, was uh, up 67%. They're making this is it
2: very easy. It's, uh, it's catnip. They're making it very easy for you to move. That's interesting.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's an interesting way to do it because I, I can remember... Um, that's probably probably at this stage must must have been about eight years ago, working on uh, working for Microsoft on the precursor to Office three six five, you know software as a BPOS. service, um, BPOS and and um, of course business productivity online suite. Obviously that was a great marketing term. Mm. Not, it had a very <laughs> it, it had a very interesting um, internal name which I'm not going to say, which was big piece of, of course the S was for software. Yeah, um, but it got better and it got extremely good with Office 365. And, and it's very interesting because when we look at adoption and, and you know, from your first news story about that massive number with the 21 zeros, it's not that incredulous when you look at where Office 365 came from. You know, If we go back even eight, nine, 10 years ago, if you were to say to most IT vendors, don't have an exchange server or an email server, put it all in the cloud and away you go, I know what they said. Then they basically told me to go away. That's nonsense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now it's the other way around. You would not run an exchange server. Not unless you had no. to. Yeah, not absolutely. Unless you had to. Yeah. It's just it's just, it's just an or overhead you don't want to do. Or a server or, or, a link server. Yeah. or whatever no. it is. Yeah. No goodness me, no. Do you know? So I think question. you know, as you said, catnip. I think was a really good term. Yeah. If you make it easy, if you'll build it, they'll come. To use yeah. a bad analogy, and I think one of the things that's really interesting for me is that pretty much all of those offerings from Microsoft sit in or on top of Azure. Mm. And what Microsoft, I think, are very good at, um, from my perspective, is not necessarily being the first at something, but coming in there, seeing what the market's like, and then improving on who might have been the leader, and then really building on that and creating a platform.
2: I think that they've the the reason why they're particularly good at that is the is their background in enterprise already exists, right? So bedrock, AWS, fantastic platform built for developers, built for you know new upcoming companies, really good for that scenario. But Microsoft have got the knowledge base about what exists in the enterprise and how those enterprise users want to use that. So there's always a little bit of trepidation around enterprise users because you don't want to break anything if think's got to be up you know twenty four seven. So and they're very good at kind of just massaging that and just gently helping you through holding your hand. I think there's
0: another thing as well, because there's a real interesting perception shift that's happened with Microsoft. Whereas once, once upon a time, every time they did a new release of Office or a new release of Windows, everyone felt it was an 80 or 90% product, and then they'll send out patches and things that, and, that to, to go and fix it. <laughs> but Office 365, Dynamics 365, it's in continuous development. So actually, that's a really good you know, point. You, what, what's actually happened is it smoothed over these big bangs, mm. and it's just now this continual evolution that's going on, and people aren't feeling those anymore.
2: Yeah. I, the only little problem, the only small problem with that is that there are so many iterations of. Sometimes features are turned on or turned off, or new features are added, yeah. and you're not unless you're reading all the blog posts and you're, you're getting all of the articles, sometimes, you know, administrators are missing those. And so, if, you know, you But, get but that's the same for every every yeah, organisation, yeah. oh, totally, which, yeah. is, which
0: is actually a really good segue to the main topic which we're going to talk about today, which is about what's the future for cloud service providers. Yeah, and that can be the big ones as well as the small ones. Now, at the end of last year, Forrester pushed out a big report where they said, uh, unsurprisingly, that there will be no new major tech vendors in uh, the cloud landscape uh, over the next 18 to 24 months well I don't think anyone will find that a massive surprise but I don't think that really ends there because I think there's going to be a lot more uh, change a lot more evolution and development in the space even though there may not be new players to disrupt it I mean the the market is changing it's certainly not stagnating I mean everything we've talked about in the show so far ha- has proven that and if you if you are you know, a stats man who likes a bit of a Gartner report, mm-hmm. you know infrastructure as a service they're predicting to be up twenty three percent in Kagar value by twenty twenty. You know platform as a service eighteen percent. You know that's eleven billion to twenty one billion. That's a lot. But I think the one that, that really struck me was software as a service. You know which is going to go up to from fifty eight billion up to just shy of a hundred billion by twenty twenty. I mean that's a huge limb. Uh, yeah, that's fifteen percent Kagar. And you think, wow. That I mean that's just that's really really big so but what does that really mean for the cloud service providers i mean i think you can slice it a number of ways you can listen to the people who say you know more industry verticals you can talk about people doing you know particular services and types and so forth you know nicholas carr he was talking about um that he expected that software and infrastructure to to widen and have a wider gap between them whereas other people are saying well actually no with serverless with containers we can bring them closer together. I mean there's a lot of conflicting views around there. Yeah, you, know, you look at you look on sector versus I mean just the public sector. You know, the adoption for cloud and public sector has now really kicked in. You know, there was oh, yeah, there totally. were the experiments, but now now you know actual adoption is really happening. And then you look at integration as well. You know, MuleSoft is up by fifty-seven percent year on year on growth. Yeah, you know, cloud integration is a real, really big thing. So so we, could... We've seen it ourselves in Danny EMC with Boomi,
3: yeah. from an integration point of view it's just massively important to us and our customers.
0: Oh no, absolutely. So I suppose you could ask, one of the questions I'd ask about the future for cloud service providers is, is it really as simple as, you've now got three choices, you scale, you specialise or shut down?
2: What's your thoughts? Oh goodness me, uh, I think scale is difficult because i think uh, the investment cost you have to be such an enormous organization with yeah. so much spare cash so the only other player in the market i could see that would make that jump is maybe apple because they've got so much spare cash hanging around but it doesn't really fit with their
3: business model it doesn't so it doesn't I'm fit, fit sure with we're with, gonna, the, with the way they with know, the way they do the, their business their ip so, and, and their knowledge because it yeah. would be a race for them, to the bottom, I think. Yeah, and that is, that, that is is the, the way pick. it's always
2: going. You're constantly moving down. You're moving it down the layers of cost. And you know, Microsoft this week just dropped their enterprise support for Azure from $300 to $100. Yeah, that's right. Because AWS do the same thing. And, and you, you've got to be very, very big to be able to but you can look at
0: that. someone like Alibaba, who we talking about here, who are looking to scale out. You know, yeah, significantly yeah but, they're huge. yeah, but they are huge and I, I accept that the you know, the large players are the only ones who are ever going to scale in the IaaS market mm. but I think there's space in the PaaS market for scale I think there is also continued space not not on the ERP uh, CRM line of SaaS but in other SaaS applications There's there's opportunities to scale mm. so I, I, I think there is there is a, a reasonable argument to say the organization is going to decide what they really want to do and if you I mean, you look at Amazon Web Services, it's about 250,000 individual SKUs. Wow, 250,000. Okay, I appreciate that number is slightly skewed because you've got you know, 20,000 variants of you know, Easy 2 But, yeah, by the way. yeah. <laughs> thank you. I'm, I'm glad you noticed it. Um, but yeah, I recognize that, you know, that there is that. But at the same time, 250,000 SKUs, it's mega. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, you know, for me,
3: there's a couple of things. Nothing's going to stay the same. That's the first gig. <laughs> yeah, everything is going to change. We know that. And, you know, if we look back over the last 20, 30 years, everything that was predicted as an absolute didn't come true. Mm-hmm. So we were told um, our desktop PCs were going away. A long time ago, we were supposed to be on net PCs, thin PCs. That was it. There was no, The PC was go- going to go away. Didn't happen. Um, we were told that all training, all IT training was going to be online. didn't happen. I think it's going to be a blend. You, know, you mentioned scale. You mentioned diversification. You mentioned you know, different verticals and so on. I think one thing you know, my experience tells me is if you try and take on the big guys, you're going to fail as a service provider. So if we put ourselves in the shoes of a cloud service provider. Is there massive opportunity out there? I think now more than ever, there is opportunity, but I think you have to be clever. Yeah. I think, I think well, you, you look at Virtual Stream. Virtual yeah. Stream would
0: be quite clever, because actually, yeah, look at some of the things that they push really hard about doing um, you know, SAP hosting on yeah. Virtual Stream, so essentially private cloud mm-hmm. or enterprise class. Yeah. It's not quite private cloud, because I know it's kind of their version of public cloud, but it's near enough. Well, it, well it's, it's individual, it's very specialized and highly specialized it's, specialized. It's, very,
3: yeah. it's highly specialized, and I think and you're hitting a really good point, because the think for me, even in general terms, is if you do the same as everybody else, you know, late to the, to the party, you're not going to win. That, yes. That's an obvious... I date. don't think
2: there's a market for you to, to, to buy a warehouse, turn it into a data center, put servers in it, and then sell those service products. Right. I think there is a market to piggyback off of the larger providers to do software as a service and platform as a service. I think absolutely you're, you're going to get a lot of niche players out in that you're market. You're
3: absolutely right. And if we look at, you know, Azure Stack, for example, which is kind of my hobby horse, it puts into the hands of those service providers the ability to extend the Azure platform, but offer a different level of SLA, offer different locality, you know, get around potentially boundary or regulation issues or whatever it might be. Move your workloads around. Move them around freely. You know, and you know, if we talk about areas where you cannot have Azure, for example, or a particular industry that's regulated, that can't put it in a particular data center, the ability of a service provider to leverage something like uh, an instance of azure stack um, or you know another instance of a public cloud that's really useful because they can wrap a different level of sla around it they can provide the local service the local value I, and i think you know you, you just have to look at you know if we take something like cars you know whoever the biggest car manufacturer in the, in the world was gm at one stage or whatever Did that mean that there wasn't room for Ferraris, for Jaguars, for Fords, for everybody else that was in the picture? Of course not, but I think you have to diversify. Um, You know, we saw this with um, the whole hosting providers um, where they were hosting Microsoft Exchange mailboxes. And those providers who stayed the same as Microsoft came along and Amazon came along and had their lunch. lunch. Yeah, Yeah, totally. Yeah, uh, it's all about diversification.
1: But you you mustn't also forget some of the key trends that are going to drive this expansion. True. Uh, We've already mentioned IoT, artificial intelligence, analytics, big data, but there's also things like blockchain. Uh, And as this technology gets used in other areas, other to cryptocurrencies, for actually manipulating and storing dispersed data securely, um, that takes huge compute Absolutely. and I actually see when you're developing these applications as well the use of uh, containers and microservices that infrastructure is going to be abstracted yet again yeah, yeah. so yeah. that underneath Absolutely. all of this you have the hyperscale well, I mean this is the prediction I made um, yeah, cloud a couple service of the providers will sit
2: on top of them there'll be a whole new ecosystem that's so we do exactly the same thing without with our hosted desktop solution we sit that on as you and the reason why we do that is because we don't want to have to manage the servers, we yep. don't want to have data center space, don't exactly. have any of that, but we want to provide a product. And actually, you know, it's it's almost a quarter of the price of a, of a equal product because of it. I don't have to worry about you know servers and where they sit. I mean, my, my
0: prediction is is that infrastructure will become the dark art that networking became. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's run and by
2: it's run by operations people that just code. And,
3: and you're dead right. And I think the days of an organization, particularly you know not even a cloud service provider, but let's say a large enterprise, creating their own cloud stack. Mm. Really? You know, we should be leveraging, you know, in in our case, Dell EMC, we, we spend billions of dollars creating blueprints, creating environments, creating engineered appliances, you know, Azure Stack or whatever it might be, and customers need to evaluate, and you know, I'm not saying they always need to choose Dell EMC, but I'm just saying, you know, as a cloud service provider, I'm starting to get a lot of choice, as you said, Jason, to leverage services out there and add my value on top, whether it's Azure, whether it's AWS, whatever it is. You know, the old analogy was that if I was a newspaper business, I used to have my own van drivers and vans outside. Now I hire a courier company to deliver the news. Well, plans. now you don't even do
0: that, you just do it digitally. Go yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> it even further, yeah. yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah.
3: This, is the, this is always the, this is the initial
2: conversation that we've been having with, with lots of different organisations. Is you know, in, in the 1920s, if you wanted, well, before that, if you wanted to have your machinery running in your warehouse, you built your own power plant in your warehouse. And that's how you ran all your machinery. And then the national grid came along and you plugged in and took what you want. Yeah. And this is where compute, this is cloud compute. You plug in, you take what you want, you build your value-added services on top of the base layer, and you offer them out to your customers.
0: Right, well, I'm gonna to have to stop us here because I think we're nearly out of time. I think though, I, I want to say, guys, thanks very much. I mean, it's been a really good, engaging conversation. Some key takeaways from that, from my perspective, has been: whilst there is a lot of strength in the argument for scale, specialized or shut down, it's about choosing where you want to go in terms of being a cloud service provider and who, as a customer, you're going to engage with about the types of services you're looking for and needing. It's also, there's a very clear case about getting with people who can help you understand and navigate this because the choice out there is absolutely vast. Please, I want to hear your views. Do get in touch with us on uh, the hashtag The Cloud Show. Uh, we're on the Twitter handle CompareTheCloud and Disruptive Live. Uh, and thank you very much for watching. I think it's thank you from David. Yes, thank you. And from thank me. you, gentlemen. Thank you. Yeah, thanks and anything. thanks so much for watching, if indeed you still are.